Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. What's up, brother? Absolutely gorgeous day. We're going to do a bit of weather chat here. I'm, I'm looking straight out the window. The sun, I won't say spring has sprung because that, that is way too premature for the first week of February. But lovely sun, bright sky, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's it's lifting my mood slightly after what was... Oh, oh yesterday was rough. <laughs> it was very rough. Um, yeah, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. I'm We're well. Talk- I, you're you're slightly you you took me by shock when we when when I joined the the podcast call. You're wearing so. your baseball hat uh, back to front. I've never seen this look for you. Uh, I've done, done it did, several times, but done it you, many times. Well. Sometimes I I have certain hats that I feel like don't fit me properly when I wear them the normal way. And right. So I, I turn them around. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't look good. You not a whole lot else like, to it. Kind of. Mid nineties, mid nineties skater dude, yeah. and I'm wearing JJ my uh, Kiwi kangaroos sweatshirt. Ah, fantastic! Those yeah. guys were the best. I wonder yeah. did they still listen or did they abandon us after we jumped from the mothership? That's a good question. Well, we'll never know. Well, actually, we can know. Reach out to us. Tell us. It's very easy for us to know. Um, what a show! Oh my god, this weekend was this weekend was jam packed. There was so much that happened. So we're going to talk about. The Premier League, I mean, just the sheer number of goals scored this weekend in the Premier League was was astounding. So uh, we'll go through some of the highlights and lowlights of what went on in England over the course of the last uh, few days. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what went on in Hong Kong. This uh, we haven't really touched very we haven't touched much on the Inter Miami tour of Asia, and it has ended it's... prematurely. <laughs> so this is kind of our last chance. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, later on in the pod, a little bit of Mbappe news as well. Um, but JJ, we'll start. I wasn't sure where to start. I was Liverpool Arsenal was was obviously the biggest game, one of the biggest games of the season. But um, 
boy, the way American soccer Twitter exploded. I mean, like all parts of it, people who I follow who are NFL Twitter or like NBA, like American soccer Twitter just was is up for this World Cup is what I came away from feeling. How would how, uh, I mean, how could they not be? I, I, I people I, who I guess I wouldn't have expected it, but it's but because we're two years out and it's on it's on people's radar in a way that I think was a little bit eye opening to me and kind of so cool. You, you'll have to help me out now. I know that I know the basic parts, but I I was in, in in Manhattan yesterday to watch the Liverpool game because I had a meeting straight after a uh, Gaelic football meeting straight after the Arsenal Liverpool game, so I didn't. I I was still out when this draw was taking place, so I'm piecing together what seemed to be. Some kind of a cringe fest. Uh, well, I, I didn't I mean, look. I, I we consume a lot here. We watch a lot of games. Yeah. We read a lot of stuff. We watch highlight packages. We consume a lot. JJ, I didn't have it uh, on a Sunday. I didn't have it in me. I didn't watch the live reveal. I knew that everything I needed to know would be unveiled in real time on Twitter. So I did not sit through, as you put it, the cringe fest. Um, I, I will for draws, like to see what who the U.S. will be in a group with, things like that. That's there's a little more excitement to that. But just knowing the yeah. the cities and the dates, I, I don't know. I just didn't I just couldn't muster it up. No, and there was Gianni Infantino sat in like some kind of hoodie on a sofa with Kevin Hart and Jenny Taff, and it was just all very odd. And we knew the we already knew the sites. I guess we just didn't know who would have the honor of hosting which high profile matches and when these things would occur, how many each city would get. The so. sharp focus thing for me uh, that the, the thing that's really been highlighted to me because I suppose now that it's within two years, you're kind of almost two years. You're kind of beginning to really think about things like water. What water? Can- who in the Canadian FA and who in the Mexican FA agreed to this? This is such BS for them. Yeah, it's. To- I agree. I, I mean, it's really, it's quite wrong. Why, why the payoff they must be getting in other ways from uh, U.S. soccer and from FIFA to have the this is the U.S. World Cup. That's it. it, it why? Why would I, I would you love, agree? I would love nothing to... past the quarterfinal stage. Yeah, I, I would love to go back. Crazy. I'd love to go back to whatever the initial meetings were between these countries. If the U.S., the U.S. might have felt we can do this on our own, and, and our bid is strong enough where we can do it on our own. It oh. becomes strengthened a little if we add you guys in, but we can go it alone. So maybe I... knowing that Mexico and Canada just kind of felt it's I this or nothing. It was 2017, right when this this plan was launched or or the bid was kind of finalized. And I guess if you, if you look at America, if you look larger, you know, a big focus, look at America as a country, as opposed to just America as a, a soccer hosting uh, venue, I guess they thought that um, with the, the, the government that was in power at the time, the president that was in power, that, we need to make this more palatable, so we're we're gonna we're not gonna have it as just the U.S. World Cup. We're gonna include Canada and we're gonna include Mexico as like buffers in some way. So like if make it more palatable, it's the only way I can think of it because they're getting nothing out of this. This is like well, well, so... they'll be forgotten. The quarterfinal stage, nothing beyond the quarterfinals. Yeah. How is there not a semifinal in Canada and a semifinal or a sem? You know, I would imagine the semi-final in 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 Mexico. For God's sake, like Mexico could 
be the host. The Azteca could be the host for the final, and no one in in the international world would say that's unusual. They'd be like, that's a perfect place to have a final. Well, yes and no. I mean, Mexico have hosted two of these already, so maybe they felt like. I, don't, I mean, this is the U.S.'s second one. I, I don't know. They, um, I mean, they've they've again that that wasn't gonna ha- that was never gonna happen because, like you said, this is a U.S. World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And so, like Mexico and Canada were. I, I'm sure there was some kind of agreement in the beginning of this that like the, like I said like the US could have done this by themselves but for whatever reason they they chose to go all in with with the whole region just yeah. to to go through the stats of it 78 of the 104 games at this World Cup will take place in the United States and every match from the quarterfinal stage onward. So again, it's an American World Cup. It, it wait, is. Wait, wait. Now, way too I mean what is it like 68 uh group games or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It, 48 team world cup here we go Um, absolutely mental but i do i do feel so Tarek panja tweeted um he said there will be more games in texas than either mexico or canada yeah and and in some ways i almost wondered is that is that the compromise like there's such we know when mexico have played games at jerry world it's it's such a mexican home game there's such a huge mexican population in that part of the country uh so the fact that there's nine games being played there, uh, you do Texas, wonder. If, yeah, home you do of wonder. soccer. <laughs> so yes, I I don't know now. I, I can't I can't go entirely as far as to say Mexico and Canada are getting nothing out of this. And the only re- the only reason I stop myself from that is because when you're going into a World Cup as one of the host nations, I mean, really, other than the fact that like ha- having the final in your country is a big deal. But like the thing you care about most is is your team. Uh. Canada and Mexico are going to play all of their group stage matches on home soil. I so I can't sit here and tell you that that's a, a tournament that features Mexico playing group stage games in Mexico and Canada even more so playing in, in a World Cup. We know that and playing home games in their home country. I can't sit here and say they got nothing out of this. That's for the people in those countries. Having home World Cup games is a big deal. Mm. I mean, we've just said, we've just stated how, and we regularly state, if I said tomorrow, all I did was put it out on Twitter, hey, the Mexican national team are playing in my backyard, there'd be 60,000 people there at the drop of a hat. So I'm not so sure about... You don't think it's different playing a game, Mexico playing a game at home in a World Cup than than saying, okay, we're, we're going to play in the Netherlands or whatever. I mean, it's, I mean like, it's, it's obviously... It's great, it's great for the local population there, but... Mexico has such a huge diaspora that it it really uh I don't think it matters too much. I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say they they I'm I'm more used or I'm as used to watching the Mexican national team play in Arizona and play in Dallas and play sure. on the West Coast and play on the East Coast uh as I am probably mo- way more than than I am seeing them play in Guadalajara or wherever. Like so, maybe, uh, but I think there's something cool yeah. about Mexico playing home games at the Azteca or in Monterey or wherever. I mean, I think I think it's I think it's cool, and the same for Canada as uh, they'll be in Toronto and then Vancouver for their second two games. Right, um, and so we'll see. I mean, you know, we say Mexico have no matches from the quarterfinal stage onward. We don't know that the Mexican team will be still playing at that stage in the tournament. So who really knows how this will play out? So yes, it's an American World Cup, but I won't go quite as far as to say that Mexico and Canada are getting nothing out of this. Um, the big winner here, I mean, we can go through some of the winners and losers. Oh my God, the state Met- of New Met- Jersey. MetLife Stadium. I mean, <laughs> this is uh, this is this is huge. And 
I'll say it. There'll be a war. There'll be. I feel like I feel like quote Goodfellas. Well, I was lying in the weeds in Secaucus. There'll be a World Cup in the weeds in Secaucus. Well, close to Secaucus. Kind of felt right. I mean, I know um, I know Los Angeles has host, hosted in '94. They hosted the Women's World Cup finals, but I don't know. Sometimes I don't mind a cliche, and I feel like America's biggest city, uh, sort of a, a truly global. I mean, there's a lot of global cities in America. It's sort of the nature of this country. But New York is such a global um, hub that something about New York hosting a World Cup final. Feels right to me. Well, it's New Jersey. Let's be <laughs> let's be let's be clear about uh, that. Uh, so you're uh, one of these guys who's so you're a New Jersey Giants guy. Is, is this who are you? One of those people? No, 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 no. No, I'm not. I'm I'm just saying the stadium is in New Jersey. Okay, let's give Jer- Jersey its props. Jersey gets overlooked far too easily, especially in industrial North Jersey. It's just some kind of New York overspill. These are unique places, and North Jersey in particular uh, uh, has a huge. Uh, connection with with like the early days of U.S. soccer, the turn of the century, immigrants, Portuguese community there. Like it is, it's a soccer hotbed. (laughs) It may not seem like that because we always think of just the Giants and the Jets out in MetLife. But um, the the stadium itself is not, uh, it's not a good stadium. No, it's not. It is not. For the the money that was spent on it. It's not. But in terms of like, you're right, somewhere close to New York, the greatest city in the world, um, also, that 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 general area, the old stadium, had a big connection with soccer from the '94 World Cup and from the Cosmos. It it does feel right to me. It feels more soccer centric than Jerry World would have. I, oh yes, I'm way more than SoFi would have. I and just I, and for me, just I don't know. It's just accessibility. Yeah, it's just cooler. Like I don't, yeah. Arlington, Texas. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, like, so what? Like I don't know. Something about New York hosting. The world's biggest sporting event is just cool to me. Yeah. No, it is. It's great, and uh, and and look, I, I used to be a regular out there, and it's 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 nice. It, it's so weird though. Like that, my I think my first ever soccer game was uh, the the Red Bulls. They had just become the Red Bulls, I guess, and they were playing um, Dallas. In some game, it was like four o'clock. And so, oh my God, on the turf. It was just, it was a nil-nil. It was the most awful game of football I've ever watched. In the And it was in the old stadium. But that stadium does have soccer, like serious soccer connections. So uh, like I'm, and again, having New York City on the doorstep, it's, it's, a, it's a cool, very yes. American, unique World Cup final venue. Now the issues, uh, like you said, you touched on the first one. It, I don't like the stadium. No. It's not a very nice stadium. Considering, I mean, the, considering it's a modern stadium, nothing uh, about it screams modern stadium. It just doesn't. No. Uh, How it cost a billion, almost a billion to put up, I don't. I just cannot fathom I can't. It. When you look at some of the other stadiums kind of of that and this era, oh. I can't believe it's from the same era. I just can't. It's not. There's nothing really special about it. It's kind of a mess driving around there. It's not yeah. a fun place accessibility uh, the wise train, the train by the way the train that goes right into it there's often crowding outside of it's, that it's not it's not, it's not good like, either and by the way not, even even that train is like you have to transfer it to caucus to another yeah. line to get there and like you said getting on and off that train more so get after a game trying to get on is not a fun experience i would say to the uh, New York, New Jersey, whoever's in charge of that would be the Port Authority or the or the, the people who run the infrastructure between, you know, the PATH train and all. I think there needs major upgrades in, across the next two years. And I don't think it'll be spent. That's that's all I'm saying. There's not a lot of money right now. A lot of people complaining about infrastructure in New York. And yet we're going to upgrade the station to the stadium inside two years for a World Cup final. I have 
deep concerns about that part of it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the big one, obviously, is turf. Now, FIFA... No, you know, they'll all be grass. Right, but but the issue the issue will be what kind of grass, because there are, there are different ways that they can go, and the options... One of them just kind of bringing in like the portable grass patches to We've put down on turf it. is not that is not a great idea. So I don't know how they're going to do this. Well, they'll, um, because it's a World Cup, it has to be pristine. So again, major money is going to be spent, and it will be. I I remember they switched to grass. I think around ninety nine or ninety eight. In in the in the old Giant Stadium, and they just did they did not have the patience for it, um, for the upkeep of it. Um, which I, was, I, I think is, I think it's reprehensible. I think it's reprehensible too. With what teams, I mean, with what the, with the money that the NFL has, with what these owners have, the fact that they're not willing to keep up a grass field is, I think it's disgraceful. I honestly. think it's disgraceful too. Um, but they, there was grass down in the old stadium for 94. And if I remember correctly, it was a very good surface. So I expect a very good surface everywhere has to be has to be um they can't be this patchwork quilt that we see get laying quickly for um uh for like cup america i mean we've had a couple of grass tournaments in that stadium and it's been varying degrees of not great they got it if you're hosting the final you oh do this gosh. right you do this right uh, yeah <laughs> you don't I, skimp on this no there's no money there's no <laughs> you <laughs> you're not going to the local um what would you uh gardening center to get some rolls of turf for the for the gold mouth because yeah. it's looking a bit the full amount of, of money must be must be spent on that. Yeah, Frank's nursery ain't handling this. All mm. right. Uh-uh. And actually, we shouldn't have a problem because if I remember correctly, there is a company in South Jersey uh who this is their whole thing, growing turf, growing grass surfaces and exporting it. So it's I, perfect. I'm sure that they they there's probably they probably have this figured out. I don't no, know who and, but, it's but they be, do but... it for stadiums. They're top. They're top people. I'm I'm assuming they're still there. Top men. Um, <laughs> a couple other notes on this, so that we know now where the U.S. will be playing their first three matches: Los Angeles, Seattle, Los Angeles. A um, little bit surprised at first that all three games are going to be on the West Coast, two in the same city. Uh, I know some people on the East Coast were like, "Hey, what the f?" But honestly, like, I'm fine with it. Keep them in the same time zone. Keep travel relatively tame, considering what it could be to have them crisscrossing the country. Not saying LA to Seattle is like a, a quick little jump up the coast. But it's a bit of a hike, but like same time zone. Whatever, whatever the things that they can do to give the U.S. any kind of advantage of playing in their own country, do all of those things. And Seattle, they'll have. We know the the noise in that building. We know the the, you know, how great that fan base can be when they're behind a team. Mm. Uh, Generally fine with it. No issues there. Yeah, no, I, I guess not. I mean, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, some of the some of the other winners here, I, I can't tell. What do you think? Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in Texas. Winner or loser? I can't tell. Um, They didn't get the final, and they thought that they, I think they thought they were going to get it. But they have nine games, which I is think more than anyone else. I think they're generally a winner because as amazing as Jerry World is from the inside, um it's not like it's not close to anything like it's not it's not in dallas no uh it's outside it's it's not massively accessible it's it's a a nice a very nice venue on the inside so yeah. i think they're doing okay um sort of a, a a nice little small win for philly i thought uh six games which is not amazing but 
the but the July 4th game on America's 250th birthday. Uh, that could be quite a spectacle. Now, it could go one of a couple ways. So it's a round of 16 game on the 4th of July, 250th anniversary of the yeah. of July 4th uh, of 1776. Really pretty unique moment here. It could be an incredible moment of patriotism if somehow the U.S. winds up in that game. Oh, yeah. Or it could be, I mean, J.J., nothing screams uh, America's 250th birthday like, you know, Russia versus Iran. I mean, like, what, what could the, like, the... The chances that the U.S. wind up in that game are very, very slim. I, I, I mean, think it, it's more likely to be kind of a random matchup of random countries yeah. than, like, than the but U.S. Must, yeah, I know that that's that's quite likely. But we must remember what what um, soccer meant to the founding fathers. It was enormous. Like, I mean, they literally had to get Jefferson pull his hand away because he wanted to include it in the Bill of Rights. It's like, stop, stop writing things down. No more soccer. And he was very upset. Very upset by the omission of of soccer. I've heard that. That's yeah. that's a well known fact about him. Um, nice win for Atlanta. Got a semifinal. I think that's good. Um, any losers? I, I kind of just looking. I mean, we knew this ahead of time, but just looking at a map of like where this tournament is basically taking place. Again, we knew the venues beforehand, but when you look at the Midwest, it's just there's Kansas City, and it's just like empty. I mean, I, I get. Do you consider? Are Dallas and Houston, do they consider themselves Midwesterners or Southwest? Like, what is what is Texas? Is it Midwest? Uh, no, I should know this, I, I feel. Texas. It's the South, right? It's the South. See, that's another. I don't know. Is it Midwest, South, or Southwest? I don't know what they consider themselves to be. No, they're the South. Okay. Very um, South. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. No Chicago, no Minneapolis, no St. Louis, no Detroit. Like, it's just Kansas City kind of holding it down for a huge portion of the country um sorry i should i should mention as well that it was james madison and uh you know um he proposed the amendments to the bill of rights and uh jefferson was saying like hey put in something about having a world cup final oh, so we're new- so we're calling back to the joke in new jersey you know i'm not letting this one go and madison was like no there's more important things than soccer and jefferson then got really upset and then stormed off wouldn't okay. speak to him for like a week oh wow john adams anything John Adams, he was a big golf guy. Huge. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, so I, that's that's about all I got. I, I I start, you know, I'm excited for this. Seeing now, like how we know this is all going to go, where it's going to take yeah. place. You start to kind of get I, some I, of those. Don't feelings. get me wrong, by the way, I'm pumped for it. I, I my opening gambit wasn't great because I was feeling upset for Canada and Mexico. But you know, I just thought, oh, man, not great. But I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Like football in our backyard, a World Cup final in a place I can get to in 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the path. Yeah. yeah. Ha- have fun with that. When the CV ticket prices, JJ. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> For you to just so casually flippantly yeah. lay out there. I mean, yeah, it's great. I can go to games. I can be there in half hour, 45. Yeah. Just okay. Bring my daughter I spend two grand. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's yeah. see how much fun that'll be for you. I think it'll be a lot of fun for the guys who run hedge funds that enjoy soccer. Oh yeah. I think uh, there's certain, there's uh what is it? Um, what's that place in Connecticut? Greenwich, Connecticut guys up there are going to be snapping up the tickets. Yeah. So that's, yeah, we'll that the, that's the grim reality of a world cup. Is it? I've learned it from Champions League finals. When I'm there standing in a line for a cab, like with like a thousand people and all these corporate guys getting off in their linen suits with their 
plastically surgically enhanced wives and getting into like cars, corporate cars and being whisked away. Why, like, yeah. Have I learned nothing about you, how yeah, I guess yeah, that's true, though. You've been to two Champions League finals in in faraway places. So I guess nothing yeah. is, is too far or too too out of reach for you. And being Irish, you in, in this city and, and having a network of access, you can you can finagle your way into things. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I gotta, I gotta latch on to you. See well, how think far about you it this me. way: they expected for Ireland versus Italy in the um, both countries' opening game of the World Cup at Giant Stadium. They expected it to be because it was East Rutherford, because it was that part of the country, to be a full house, full of Italian fans, and it was the other way around. It was three. Mm-hmm. It was almost all Irish. So we have ways. We have ways, Andrew. You know a guy. Uh, that is the the key to living here is to know a guy. Yeah. You must know a guy for every facet of your life, and then you'll get by. And you know a guy who has World Cup access. To- I actually do. Fuck. Anyway, I don't know if he'll be play ball with me. Oh, well, you got two years to work on it, so uh, hop to it. I just like thinking of you like like when we found out the Super Bowl was going to be here. Be like, oh, and it's great. I can be there in 30 minutes. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can that you? was so. It was so cold. It was yeah. so cold. Oh my! But it God. Could, how about, think of how much worse it could have been, though. Two days after the Super Bowl ended, there was like a huge, huge storm. Yeah, that's I right. Mean, if that was just like a, a twenty-four to forty-eight hours earlier, the nightmare do, that that could have posed. The NFL did. They, they did really. They've only. They haven't had a cold winter um, Super Bowl since. That's. I, I mean, I don't know, they have. They've had Minnesota, but it was indoors. Yeah. They won't. They won't do that again. And it's because of New York. And because I think, well, it was a favor too. They the Jets and Giants paid for that stadium. There was no like, there was a they were giving a favor to the owners who paid for their stadium. Basically, that's how they they know a guy and they were able to get a Super Bowl. That's how you do it. Yep. Um. So there you go. U.S., L.A., Seattle, and Los Angeles again. Looking forward to it. Should be fun. Uh, we go from that, JJ. Let's go to the Premier League now. What a weekend! Holy cow. Um, uh. we wondered. For the last few weeks, we've kind of been wondering, are we going to get the three-team title race? I don't know. Are Arsenal, are they in it? Are they not? And then we knew going into this game, well, this this will go a long way in determining. This won't necessarily tell us definitively that we will, but this game could have told us, okay, well, we won't. Arsenal are not going to be a part of it. Uh-huh. Well, Arsenal are are still alive. They are still, at least for the moment, a part of whatever Premier League title race you deem there to be. I wanted to ask you before even getting into the game, it's been a while because Liverpool have, have generally been very good. Sure. But I know your MO after a difficult loss, long soulful walk in Brooklyn. Did we get one of those yesterday at about one thirty Eastern time? Booked in for tonight. I've uh, postponed it. I've got all the podcasts loaded no, up. Wait a minute. I've, a I've, long I've... soulful walk is, is in the moment. You postponed oh, no. your emotions. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I'm Irish. I don't just postpone them. Sometimes I bury them, and then they, they then they explode many decades later in a, a haze of drink and uh, recriminations. No, I, I I postponed it. Yeah, I told you yesterday I was otherwise engaged, so I had to put on my big boy pants, push it to the side, mm-hmm. get on with the work that had to be done yesterday, uh, the meeting that had to happen, and now I'll take the long soulful walk this evening. I have um, a few podcasts, two podcasts in particular that, are, that I will listen to to. Uh, rake over the coals of this uh, pretty uh, I tweeted yesterday um, it was Arsenal's best first half no this was at halftime Arsenal's best first half performance in months and Liverpool's worst in at least two or three months and I I, I actually haven't I can't remember the last time Liverpool were, were that poor 
was unbelievable when they scored at the end of the half. Like crazy. It felt like such an injustice. <laughs> and it was such a stuff. weird, such a weird goal, such a gift in some ways to Liverpool. I mean, uh, when we talk about they threw one in, they literally threw one in. Um, and, and Liverpool hadn't looked like creating anything in the no. game. And, um, and uh, look, Liverpool were especially poor, but Arsenal were especially at it. Um, they, well, here's Jamie Carragher, and um, he's talking about how Arsenal felt going into this game, and I couldn't agree more. There was a desperation about Arsenal. They felt, they felt, they felt bigger to Arsenal. That's not a, so much a criticism of Liverpool, but it felt almost like they had to win. They knew if they had lost, they'd out of it. And I think that's why we probably saw some of the scenes at the end of the game. And you saw Arteta celebrating, running up and down the line. It felt, it felt huge for Arsenal. I think that was just, you could see that. Like there was a, this is a now or never feel about Arsenal. We are at this. We are totally going for this. Between their intensity, the way they won the ball in midfield, the way they did, they suffocated Liverpool, never let them really get going, dominated the ball. Liverpool didn't at any point in the game get into a rhythm. They had one shot on target. Yeah. They they went in at half time, one one. How that happened, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um Arsenal were uh, dominant in midfield, Rice and Jorginho broke things up superbly, controlled the centre, Odegaard and, Odegaard and Havertz playing in the channels, completely discombobulated McAllister uh, and the Liverpool centre-backs too. Arsenal also targeted the left side, the right-hand side of Liverpool's defence in transition. Talk a bit more about that. Um, they got in behind so often, Martinelli down the left-hand side that it was it was scary. Uh, it meant the centre-backs had to come out of the middle. Um, they Again, like I said, they somehow gave up a goal and were level at the break, which made no sense. Um, and were it not for a gift, the, the weird thing is, were it not for a gift right at the time Liverpool had established some sort of a foothold in the game, this game could conceivably have ended as a draw. And that would have been based on, on, on the first half, at least, a travesty. Uh, yeah, although not altogether shocking because one of the concerns with Arsenal this season has been, can they, can they score, uh, their ability to, to get goals, especially against a a pretty, a pretty strong defensive unit in this Liverpool team. And I go as far as to say, apart from the first goal, which was really good goal. Um, I would say that, that, uh, that kind of concern about Arsenal hasn't gone away. Like when you see Saka attacking that cross in the first half and you're like, how's he not scored? And and people trying to give Joe Gomez credit for just laying a hand on him. That should have been a bullet header to the back of the net, 2-0. Like, it, crazy that they missed that. I don't think Arsenal's um, scoring problems have suddenly been solved because they knocked three in against Liverpool. You had that unbelievable calamity to make it 2-1. And then the ball that somehow went up between Alisson's legs and into the net for three uh, for 3-1. The Trossard goal. Um, I'm not saying Arsenal didn't deserve to win this game. They absolutely did. Absolutely. Well, they, they did but, because... But uh, you, I'm not coming out of that saying, well, <laughs> I was wrong about all the things I've said about Arsenal and the top of their attack now. There's no way. It's also why, ultimately, I'm not ultra worried about Liverpool in some ways. Like, I don't know that I saw anything here other than mm-hmm. the fact that, look, their their attack was, was pretty limp in this game. And uh, I give Arsenal full credit for that. They had the pressure on Liverpool constantly. They yeah. saw a lot of the ball. They were, they were relentless. Um, but from the Liverpool perspective, like there were things that went wrong for them in this game that I just don't think 
are the norm. Like Statman Dave posted, Allison is the best. I think he's the best keeper in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Allison in this game, nine times he lost possession, three goals conceded, two for 11 on long balls completed, one error mm. leading to a goal, and a minus 1.61 goals prevented. Like, I don't I don't see that as the norm. I don't suddenly think, oh, Allison, I guess he sucks now. Like, I, I think he had a bad game. Um, you talk about the three goals. Even the first one, I mean, look, Odegaard plays such a great ball into Havertz to start that. But Allison, he jumps off his line quickly and stops it. Um, but the ball bounces to Bukayo Saka, who, who finishes with relative ease. You know, the second goal, obviously weird, kind of fluky, like a ball. It's just a ball over the top that happened to land in a spot that made it tricky to to deal with. Allison doesn't do well. Van Dyke should have just smashed it away. They just got caught there. Uh, even, you know, and even the third one, yeah. look, props to Trussard, uh, makes one man miss and then everything opens up. I mean, it shouldn't be quite that easy. I know Correct. Liverpool are, are a man down at that point, but even the goal itself, like, yeah, it went through Allison's legs. Maybe he should have done better. Took a huge deflection. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I, he was going either for far post or trying to center one. I don't know, but it deflects in between Allison's legs. So yeah, like. Liverpool's attack left a lot to be desired. They're going to get Salah back soon. I don't know, you know, even if they even if they don't, I don't know exactly what the prognosis is. I still feel pretty good. Darwin Nunez, whatever you want to say about him, he was hurt, didn't play a big chunk of this game. Um, but he's a havoc wreaker when he's out there. So, you know, I, I don't know. I it's not good for Liverpool because they could have killed off one of their competitors for the title, yeah. but I don't see it as something that will suddenly derail their season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wow, I'll tell you what really. No, no, I, I don't, I can't, you know, I can't prognosticate and say, well, this won't derail. I don't expect it to derail the season because I do think Nunez to come back, uh, Salah to come back, changes things for Liverpool. I, I just have to say how disappointed I was mm-hmm. in two players in particular. And we talk, we talk about depth all the time, guys coming in next man up and that the strength of Manchester City and Liverpool in this period has been the ability for for them to go deep into their bench, or not even deep, but just go into their bench and have guys come in and do jobs. Like, we said it about Conor Bradley. Liverpool didn't miss a beat at right back with Conor Bradley coming in. That's brilliant. Uh, Kwanzaa playing at centre-back when he needed to. Didn't miss a beat. And even to an extent, although he wasn't great yesterday, Joe Gomez filling in for Robertson or coming, you know, playing in multiple positions for for Liverpool. Um, You know, that's good. The, the right-hand side of Liverpool's act, like Gakpo and Gravenberg, footballing missed. Like, you cannot be that ineffective. They didn't help at all when Trent Alexander-Arnold, as he does, will vacate that full-back spot to get step into midfield. And then Martinelli always had acres into run, to run into. It's not 1993 where your wingers stay, you know, it's always the fullback's job mainly to defend. It's everyone's job as a collective to defend. Those guys, they, for for guys who have played at the, a very high level both before coming to Liverpool and in the case of Gakpo was seen as gazumping United to get him to come in, this wasn't good enough. It's really, really poor. Very, very poor. Um, they, Liverpool generally though, they just were, they seemed off it. They didn't seem to be able to get to the collective uh, pelt and the collective um, tenor and tone. And like Arsenal were like, this is a game we have to win. And Liverpool were much, much more passive. The, the way the Arsenal midfield, the way that um, both Havertz and Odegaard would split and get into the channels and cause, cause them problems. There was always a ball. If it wasn't for Havertz, if he was picked up, 
Then it was for Odegaard. The centre-backs didn't know whether to go with them, whether to drop off. And then when one would go and Kanate wouldn't be close to anybody, there was a ma- how many times massive, enormous gaps opened up in the centre of that attack. I wonder are other teams, well, obviously other teams aren't going to be always as good as Arsenal, but are they going to look at that and think, well, there's a way to get at Liverpool now? Um, yeah, just bad performance. Other doubts come in, you know, McAllister playing as a makeshift six, playing deeper in the Liverpool midfield because Liverpool couldn't go and get Caicedo and get the couple of targets that they wanted in centre midfield uh, during the, the transfer. It's been fine so far. Are we now catching up with that because it's we don't we just don't have that kind of player? A lot of questions. I want to put it down as just a bad day at the office. I think that's the way you want to go because you're... I mean, it's rare you're going to see Van Dijk and Alisson just, just collapse like that. Weird. Um, very weird. But I just... The general feeling of the game... I think they were upset by the changes that had to be made. I think it's a credit to the way Connor Bradley has played that the uh, untimely passing of his father meant he, um, obviously Bradley wasn't going to play and they missed him. Like they they missed him. I would I think Bradley versus Martinelli in the way that Bradley is a more orthodox fullback would have been a better matchup than the way it worked out. But I also think that they were unbalanced um, having Gakbo and Gravenberg on the same side. Incredible how quickly we're saying that about Connor Bradley, that in, yeah. in a game of this kind of importance against Arsenal, with some of the players that Liverpool have well, so, at that position. So we would, that was the debate we had before the game on, on, on Sunday. A couple of my friends were like, um, would Bradley have even started? And I'm like, I think he would have. You I said that think, the other day. You said I you really, didn't think Klopp would have changed anything. No, I don't think he would have changed the thing. And then he was kind of forced to uh, with the Nunes injury and Bradley's uh, uh, bereavement. And then it's... It's a it's a different team. Miss Mo Salah, that's for sure. Sabishlai, we're not talking about that. Yeah, Sabishlai being out of the side was not good because what came in wasn't Gravenberg wasn't better. That's that's part of it. Um, and I don't think there's like there's no fair minded Arsenal fan. I I'm sure after a couple hours after the game yesterday, Arsenal supporters, um, the sensible ones were like, great win, but probably surprised at how poor Liverpool were. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair way of looking at it. A couple other final notes on this from the Arsenal side. One, I was going to mention Jorginho, Declan Rice. You already did. They were fantastic. Jorginho especially. A um, lot of praise for him afterwards. It was funny because who was it? Was it Robbie Earl on NBC's broadcast? He was like, no one – he said something like after the game where he's like, no one's going to talk about this. He's he's going to go forgotten man, but Jorginho, I got to say. And then right after, they cut to like him being handed the man of the match. Like <laughs> – like, <laughs> like it was, yeah, we're going to talk about it. He was excellent. He was. You know, Arteta, they, Declan Rice, they spoke afterwards about not just what he can do. I mean, he was so good in his distribution, breaking up play, but they talked a lot about his leadership, how he's one thing. So games like this, he's the right man to have out there. He knows how to keep things calm. Um, and I think you saw that. He was very, very composed, very good in this game. Um, with regards to kind of beyond just the game itself, I remember when, Arsenal first started playing in the stadium. There was a lot of concern. Oh, the atmosphere is is done. They can't generate like that well, place. It is... was yeah, it was, it, and, and it, it wasn't and for a while. For it a wasn't good. It was not good for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I think you are that place now. It is a cauldron. These last couple seasons, it is loud in there. It is raucous in there. I think it just goes to show, like yeah, yeah. if you think about when Arsenal made that transition into that stadium, it was kind of like peak Wenger had just sort of happened. And now they were kind of on the other side of it. Maybe momentum and like 
had just slowed down. Then you got into like the bad days of Wenger where the fans and the team just were not connected. Like you give people a reason to cheer, they'll do it. Especially a fan base like Arsenal that's that cares a ton about their team. Um, and right now they have that. And that plays I don't want to hear like next time a team moves into a new stadium, I don't want to hear, oh, it's not going to be like the old play. People can make the place. And I think if you give people a reason to get excited, they'll do it. Um, and some, I think seeing- some buildings are conducive to noise. And the old Highbury was so tight and so compact that the fans were on top of you. It was that old old style stadium. So so definitely it was conducive to it. They moved to Arsenal, you know, or excuse me, they moved to the Emirates. It had much more kind of corporate uh, boxes. Yeah, it, and- it looks like a stadium. Highbury was different. Like that yeah. was that was unique and and intimate, and yeah, the Emirates is is a, is a conventional stadium, but it can get as loud in there as any other stadium in the Premier League. Um, and then, sort of regards to that, JJ, I want to give American fans a little bit of credit for something because I feel like it's a conversation that doesn't happen in this country in the way that it seems to abroad, and it's a conversation that I kind of have no use for that we've talked about before. The Celebration Police, boy, they had a the Celebration Police had a big problem with. Arsenal after mm. this one, whether it was Arteta running up and down the sideline or Odegaard afterwards taking a picture of the photographer. This was yeah. a huge game. I mean, this was being dubbed. We can say whatever we want about it, but for Arsenal, any hope of them winning a title wasn't just us. I mean, the media fans, this was kind of dubbed as if you lose this game, your title race is over. Yeah. So we're going to, so we, it's just funny that like we build it up into this thing that's maybe bigger than whatever it really is, but the media and fans build a thing up. And then when the players celebrate commensurate with what we built it up to, we rip them for it. I, I am so sick of celebration police nonsense. You want to celebrate after a game? Go ahead. Now, you right. might have to gather yourselves for what comes after. Like, you can't yeah. go too far. But, like, in the moment, you said it once about Everton. When they had when they got celebration policed and ticketed, that's not how joy works. No, it's not. I mean, but you can make – I'm okay with people, people making comments within. If – I, what I believe is you should. There's no way you should tell anyone they shouldn't celebrate, but you can make comments on the manner in which they do that. That's okay. Um, and Arsenal as well. You see, we're not far enough away from Arsenal as like kind of. I'm listening. I'm watching a lot of top, uh, top Boy, which is based in London, gangsters in London. So a lot of phraseology is coming to mind. But like when Arsenal were on a joke thing. Um, when they were the banter club of the Premier League, and they were just the the, the kind of the butt of everybody's jokes, so I like people are still in that reflexive mode. So when they see Arsenal celebrate a win in the middle of February or the start of February, they kind of they 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 get on that again, and they like to have a go at Arsenal fans. Arsenal fan TV has a lot to do with this too. They you know Arsenal even in the bad years were king of motors. I mean, there's more. Memes, oh, absolutely. There's more memes, gifs of Arsenal fans losing their s or saying dumb things or expecting crazy stuff than probably any other club in the Premier League. And Arsenal fan TV went a long way to create that. And people are still kind of they. Remember, we said Arsenal fan TV. It's probably better for them when Arsenal are bad, right? And was certainly better for the rest of the league. And people kind of are still in that moment where Arsenal are bad. And so when they, you know, when Odegaard takes a picture of the cameraman, you know, and stuff like that, they kind of roll their eyes and think of think of this as very Arsenal-y, very Arsenal-y behavior. I, I don't have a huge problem. I, the, 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 Odegaard taking a picture of the cameraman was a bit, ugh, for me, it was a bit, yeah. <laughs> so nothing. But <laughs> I guess it's nothing. I guess it's nothing. Um, um, Coach P 
1625 on Reddit. Yeah. Today just made me think of the Micah Richards quote, when it's Arsenal, everyone wants to pile on, which is kind of what you're speaking yeah. to a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, thankfully, the U.S. coverage did a great job breaking down the game, but it seems like the U.K. coverage spent most of the time covering the celebrations and not the game. Is it just because I'm an Arsenal fan that I'm noticing this, or does this happen for most clubs? Well, I, I think it happens for a lot of clubs. Well, let's, the, celebration the, police. The celebration police in this case was Gary. Gary Neville, who said it was immature, it was an immaturity there of Arsenal to act this way. Gary Neville was brought up in a dressing room where, which was run by Roy Keane and Alex Ferguson. <laughs> right. yeah. Fergie, Fergie is the Fergie is Fergie founded the Celebration Police. He is the very first Chief Inspector of the Celebration Police. His own side won the Scottish Cup. And on, and on television straight after, he said how they had no right to celebrate it because it was a disgraceful performance. Incredible quote. If, if yeah. people haven't seen it, you got to go find it. It's, We've got it's standards, standards going back years here. And to go out and play like that is an absolute disgrace. I don't want to know about a cup, you know, all this stuff. Incredible. We've played it before on mm-hmm. this podcast. Yeah. So he, so you, you come in in that environment and then you see, uh, you know, Odegaard acting the way he's acting or whatever. But also, here's a, there's another thing that's a factor as well. Um, you, you talk about Klopp regularly. It just gets people backed up by the way he behaves on the sideline. Nobody does it better than Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta is a maniac on the sideline. Uh-huh. He's Diego Simeone on, on, on roids. He rubs everyone up the wrong way with the way he acts. Why are we pretending that he that his actions aren't also feeding into this? Here's Arsenal celebrating when their manager is an absolute mental case when it comes to this. I mean, Richard Keyes has how many blogs? Richard Keyes has no, and I'm not saying Richard Keyes' neuroses are are the things he's he's not into are are reason to go by, but Richard Keyes has he could write a book complaining about Arteta and the way he acts on the sideline. And I think that feeds into it, too. Well, we got a response to that on Reddit from Professional Bet 4992, who wrote oh. this, who says, I'm not in a neutral position to comment here as a Spurs fan, but I don't think the celebration itself is the problem. It's the people doing it. Your okay. man- this, is a, this is a good quote here from Professional Bet 4992. Your manager isn't exactly the most calm or even normal man. <laughs> as a rival fan, he embodies everything that annoys me about your fans. Uh-huh. I guarantee you, if it was somehow and celebrating far less people would comment because he's not completely insufferable for everyone and did not support your club. Um, so he's saying that people, it's not the celebration police are not necessarily mad at the celebrations, but it's like, you're saying Arteta. Oh yeah. I mean, people just don't like him. And so maybe that's why they don't like the way he conducts himself. So that's why the, sure. the celebrations are being policed. Uh, it, it's all part of it. It all adds into it. It all adds into it. I mean, but like Arsenal fans should absolutely uh, celebrate that and enjoy that. I'll tell you who else is celebrating. Manchester City fans. Yeah, well, we should say we're recording this before their game today. They play Monday afternoon. They, um, they went, yeah. But this, this is, they were the big winners huge. here. Huge for them. And with two games in hand, um, I hope the grim inevitability of a procession to a Manchester City title is avoided. I hope that's not what we're staring down after yesterday's results. My fear is that it, not my fear, my, like a nagging feeling that won't go away is that that's what we're looking at. I think if you ask 10 people right now who they think is going to win the title, what do you think? Seven or eight would say Man City? 
thousand percent. Yeah, I think so too. That's kind of where I'm. That's that's who I'm picking. Seven eight. Um, let's see. Let's continue here, JJ. I'll tell you one of the one of the not winners of the weekend, a loser, you might even say. Um, Chelsea. Oh Christ! Holy cow! They lose at home to Wolves. They went up one nil. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that the way this game started, they they probably should have scored in the fourth minute uh, with Nkunku. Yeah, and then they did score in the nineteenth on on a really nice goal, like Enzo Fernandez into Connor Gallagher, who played it back. Who was it? Palmer, who then or Palmer finished off the move, but it's just a very well worked goal. Nice passing, good finish, and you think, wow, like oh, Chelsea look look pretty good here. But then they, I mean, they couldn't have shut off any quicker. They're they're still celebrating that goal, and then Caicedo, he was the one who made the pass in. He had the assist on the goal. Um, after making a brilliant pass to set it up, he shuts off, loses possession in midfield, and off Wolves go. And again, I mean, we're talking about some fluky things that went against Liverpool. A little bit of that in this game, too. Huge, horrible deflection. Deflection. Um, a big one, a significant one. Um, but just like that, any good feelings that Chelsea had from the first 20 minutes were gone. And Wolves had tied it, and they would go on to keep scoring and continue scoring and continue scoring. Um I mean, so much of this game, you know, we we know a lot of the things Wolves like to do. Chelsea just could not contain Wolves' counterattack. Bit them, it felt like, time and time again throughout the course yeah. of this game. Uh, just a really, I mean, just a really discouraging performance from Chelsea. Uh, and, like, start to wonder a little bit with them. Not to go too far. I know they're in a cup no. final. But you start to wonder, like, where is rock bottom here? Because it does feel like this can get a whole hell of a lot worse. So I saw this. I was reading this, JJ, from TalkSport. Oh. They had on an FF a financial fair play expert and financial advisor. Uh, oh, Stefan Borson was on Jim White and Alex Crook's Deadline Day show and said, in my mind, there's certainly trouble on the horizon. And they, Chelsea, will certainly fail FFP for the current season. Unless, and it seems to be very unlikely, that by June 30th this year, they sell well over 100 million pounds of players. But the window they can now do that is going to be very small because this season is going to finish. And then we've got the Euros. So if you look at someone like Connor Gallagher, he's going to be in the Euros team on June 14th. So if they want to ship him before June 30th, they've got to move very quickly. And again, the likely buyers are going to know that Chelsea need to sell players, which is pretty much what happened, JJ, with Connor Gallagher, Connor Gallagher in the January window, where Chelsea wanted Tottenham to pay somewhere between 50 to 80 million. And Daniel Levy said, no, thanks. We'll wait. We'll wait for your situation to get really dire and we'll see where this goes. Um, what a fire sale. So that, but that's the problem. So the, the problem right now, if you're Chelsea is twofold. One, they have to get rid of good players because those are the only guys who are worth anything. And they have to get rid of their homegrown ones because that's where you make the most money. So you're talking, so good players slash homegrown, you're talking Gallagher, you're talking Reese James. I mean, these are the guys that Chelsea have to get rid of. And even if they could sign players, are they a desirable destination now? they're not qualifying for champions leagues and it's feeling more and more likely that they're going to fall into some sort of PSR penalty in their future. Like, I don't know. I mean, they were, they were bad last year. They're maybe even worse this year and whatever good that they have, it feels like they're going to have to offload those guys possibly for reduced rates. Cause teams know how desperate they are. Where's rock bottom to this. Yeah. Um, and there's also the, the 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 fact that it increasingly feels like the manager just can't change this, that he can't do anything with this team. And they have to do something with that outlay of money and the players that they've spent money on. 
and the easiest thing to do is the manager. Like I keep, I I feel like I keep saying, well, Chelsea can't keep chopping and changing. That can't be the only reason to keep Maurizio Pochettino. They were they were just clueless, man. Absolutely clueless. Now I know they have injuries at at the centre back position, but the idea that they've continued uh, with Thiago Silva. I mean, he got it was a weekend of centre backs: Kanate, Virgil Van Dijk, Dan Byrne. We'll get to who was playing at left back. Even uh, Saliba get, for Arsenal on, on get, Liverpool's goal, getting absolutely burned or or making mistakes. Um, this is this really really bad situation for Chelsea that's developing right now. Um, Bowley's made an absolute mess of this. <laughs> Total pig's ear of it, and um, like we we are going to talk about Wolves in a second. I thought Wolves were excellent. Yes, uh, they really. But like Chelsea, just it gets worse and worse. Well, it's just I mean, like signings that they could not afford to go wrong, like Mudrick and Caicedo. You can't spend that kind of money and have those signings go wrong. Now, they could change. Mudrick, I don't know. I'm starting to worry about what we have here. But Caicedo is still relatively new with this club. Yeah. You know, I'm not, but it also I, shows, like, again, we've talked about how the specific system that um, uh, Dejerby played for Caicedo, and then he's coming into this kind of Pochettino system, which isn't really a system yet because Pochettino, Pochettino didn't sign any of these guys. It feels like Poch is in another position. If you look what he did at Southampton and Tottenham, which are his two successes in management, comes into Southampton, he's able to, he's got work with young players, build a team, lower budgets. Uh, and even at Tottenham, there was a sense of, not a sense of, there were young players to deal with. They were the youngest, they were, I believe, the statistically the youngest team in the league when he took right, them over. Right, but he had control over who was coming to the club, mm-hmm. who was coming in and out. He was, he was a part of that. This feels as if, this was built for him by someone else. Uh, if I mean, build is too strong a term, but it was thrown together by someone. And now he's in this position. The jobs that he's failed of at have been the big jobs. PSG, massive superstars, very hard to deal with. And now he's here in, at Chelsea. And it's not so much massive superstars, but massive way, uh, massive transfers, players that he didn't sign. And like, it just doesn't feel, I, I can't see a turning point. I can't see it. They're not getting better. It's February now. No, I'm and wondering. Again, we, call, we go back to what Wenger said to us in the interview. How you know change the culture, uh, set up a, an idea of how you want to play, and Wenger said three months. We're past the three month stage now. Well past it, and um, and again the top managers, and this was something Pochettino did at Tottenham, and something he did at. Southampton, the top really good coaches were able to come in and they can make, you can see the instant changes, but it's, it just seems, it just seems too hard with the way Chelsea has run for him to do that. Nicholas Jackson, JJ, another oh my God. header at oh the back post. God. I mean, like these, these signings, they've spent a ton of money and you I mean, have any of them really worked out. It's, it's pretty bleak. Um, I wonder, is it, has the only person whose stock maybe risen here, Graham Potter? Like, it's not like things have gone well since he no. left. Like, it might it might shine a light on the fact that, like, yeah, maybe it was more than just the manager, right? And pa- and Potter had to deal with what was it? He was he he complained hugely about he had to have two full training sessions going for the amount of players he had at the club yeah. at the time. Yeah, and he found it very hard. He had to chop and change. He never got a chance to get a rhythm. Potter has what two less wins though? I think I think Pochettino has two more wins than him. So that's not a rip-roaring success. 
Um, and I do, I, I genuinely feel like Potter, Potter would have been suited to a, a big club, but a more stable club. And the only real clubs out there that were kind of in the market at the time were, well, the only one that was Chelsea, really. Um, I feel bad for him now. I think it's, <laughs> it, 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 it probably shines a better light on what he had to deal with. Uh, on the, the other side of this, I know you, we wanted to mention Wolves as well. Uh, got this on Reddit from Hello, I Am a Narwhal, who writes, Just want to point out that Wolves are top half in February after losing their manager less than a week before the start of the season because Lopetegui was upset that the owners wouldn't spend due to fears of FFP penalties. Even better, it's the same squad that Lopetegui walked out on and Wolves still haven't spent. If anything, Wolves have gotten rid of more players than than they've added. Obviously, I'm biased as a Wolves fan, but just something I keep in mind when people discuss Lopetegui as a potential appointment for any manager vacancies. So I guess this is the opposite of, of the Graham Potter effect. <laughs> like Wolves' success are making Lopetegui look worse, whereas Chelsea's failures are making Potter look better. <laughs> but, it, but 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 if you look at what Gary O'Neill was like, someone's got to be in for Mateus Cunha, you know, age-wise, just the way he's playing right now. If you look at what uh, Mateus Cunha has been able to do under Gary O'Neill versus what he was able to do under Lopetegui, it's night and day. He starts all the time. Um, his goal participation... It's like he's so crucial to them it's 41% he has 9 goals and 6 assists he's he's been absolutely fantastic but like Wolves if you look at that like that front line for Wolves Cunha, Sarabia and Neto and you and you watched it um, at the weekend like they're class Neto like I, Neto. I haven't up, I haven't updated my Andrews people in a while he's on the team I don't know at the end of the season if he'll make the actual Premier League team of the season he's on mine He's, he, the guy is fantastic. They're gonna have a hard time if they're worried about FFP stuff. They're gonna have a hard time keeping him. Twenty three, fantastic. Twenty three. I wonder what. Hang on a second, Andrew. Can I just check what's his uh, what's his agency? Let me just have a look. Oh, it's uh, is it just a few? It's just a few. Oh, shocking! <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Oh, <laughs> mercy! He's fabulous, though. He's absolutely oh, fabulous to watch. Um, and they're they're very good. They're they were very very good, and like they've got players like At Nori as well who. I mean, on his day, he's just absolutely brilliant player. And, and then right in the middle of it, like, keeping the whole thing together, is they've got a veteran like Craig Dawson, who's mm-hmm. like having, how many how many Indian summers can someone have to your career? Like, he seems like he's on his second or third. Um, Like, because remember when West Ham signed him from Watford? We were like, Craig Dawson? And then he had a, he had a good spell there. And then he's having an even better spell, I would say, with Wolves. So, um. Yeah, no, credit to them. It's all right saying, look, Chelsea are this, Chelsea are that, but but they were dismantled by Wolves, and Wolves deserve a lot of credit for that. And I don't know if we have many Wolves supporting listeners on this podcast, but we do not. To say we don't give them their flowers is an understatement. We, 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 I mean, they don't get any bouquets off us. They don't even get a single rose. So hopefully we've um, redressed that slightly. They're up into 10th, one point behind Newcastle, one point ahead of Chelsea. Wolves, like he said, a team whose manager walked out on them with a week to go before the season. Gary O'Neill has to be in the running for manager of the season. Yeah, and and you know what, I love I love traditional names doing well. I we we had a listener called Trevor. Love to hear Trev. I love a Gary doing well. You know, we've got Jurgens, we've got Joseph Peps, we've got all that. Gary. It's, it's so important for me. I've said Gary. before, Gary is going extinct as a name. Yeah. There are actual studies on this that the, I, the rate with which we're losing that name, it'll be gone. I, I don't know what year, but 
cherish the Garys while we have them because they're not going to be here for long. <laughs> we got a title for the pod: "Cherish the Garys." That's got to be. That's just so great. That's so. Uh, and I, I will say this: I, I need, I need the name Gary to survive. I just feel it's just, it's just a great name. It's a great yeah, English name. It's. I was thinking if I got we'll, a, dog, we'll be all right without, without that. No, name. I'm, so I love giving dogs, imagining dogs with people's name. Now, usually I go like upper class, like Sebastian or Cecil. But imagine Gary, your dog, Gary. It's perfect. Well, no? they're going to have to live on in canine form because people have got no use for that name anymore. Uh, let's continue. JJ Tottenham, Everton. Interesting game at Goodison. Tottenham drop a couple costly points in stoppage time. 2-2, your final. So th- the talking points on this are pretty simple. Vicario who has arguably been Tottenham signing the season. I would have said Madison, but Madison missed such a big chunk. And Vicario, because of the way Tottenham play, they need a keeper who is A, good, but B, aggressive and and smart. And, you know, he's done all those things. He's been very good. But an Achilles heel seemingly has been revealed here. And that is the corner kick. We saw it against Manchester City for Tottenham to crash out of the FA Cup. And we saw it what would you say about a thousand times in this game for Tottenham? It was, it was unbelievable. What, Sean what Dyche afterwards said, he, he said, it's not something they were targeting. Well, then you're a bad coach because you should have. I think he, I don't know if he was telling the truth there. Maybe he didn't want to embarrass anyone or whatever, but I mean, why not? So, you know, Ange afterwards pointed towards the referees a little bit saying they're reluctant to call contact in the box. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe he's saying that publicly because he wants to come to his keeper's defense because he knows that this is going to be a thing moving forward now. So he's got to get in the ref's ear. But behind the scenes, I'm sure they're saying to this guy, you got to, you just have to be stronger in there. I don't know what else to say. He, This is a thing now. He's going to yeah. be targeted incessantly. Can you imagine what Brentford are going to do next chance they get? Well, they're going to have to wait a while. Oh, yeah. They just played him. So, oh, yeah. It's going to be a while. And, and and Brentford did other things that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, everyone is going to do this. Now, but, here's but the Andrew, way... forget. For, can I just yeah, expand ahead, this ahead. for a second? He's got to come and catch the winner. The free Ooh. kick on the winner. You don't think that oh, that was a little no. far out for him to be able I don't know that he could have Oh, it's flicked. That. It's flicked on. Oh, and you're talking just... about after it hit Romero's head. Yes. It, oh, it's I thought right you in... meant catch it. Okay. No, come and... and, and, and yeah, but... I don't know. I'd have I'd have to see that again. I, that I wasn't honestly, something that struck me. Why why is he not flying at it? I don't like saying this about any athlete. I don't like saying this about a person. But there's something um No, I'm I'm going to say cowardly. Not cowardly is not a good word. Well, it's uh, out there now. You said it. He does not he he does not want to be hit. He's gone down after the goal's gone in, uh, the Brantwaite goal. Yeah. He should have come straight through that ball. And he's gone down like he's been, he's hurt or whatever. He, why, it, it was a case of the Onanas. If I'm going to c- criticize Onana for being rooted like he was against Wolves. By the way, what a game we missed there. That was unbelievable. Um, last week, yeah, yeah, we just recorded the wrong side of it. What a great game. One of the games of the season. Oh, absolutely. But like on the on the Wolves, I think the either the equalizer or one of the Wolves goals, like Onana's rooted. Do something. Move your feet. Do anything. And I think this is a clear case where Vicario should come and get come and get that ball in some whether it's a punch, whether it's a he fling himself at the ball, Maybe whatever. I, Do something. I, I gotta look at that one again. I mean, I, uh, obviously I was no, more focused right on the now. first. No, no, no look hold at it on, right hold now. on. I, right I was more now. focused on the first one because the first one is is clearly the thing that's that's becoming an issue for him. But but I will say this to put on my Tottenham underpants for a second. Um, 
So if this is going to be the way that it is, the secret is out, but not just on Vicario. The secret is out, period. Every team should be doing this on corners because oh, a, a precedent yeah. is now being set. You can oh, be physical. Like we now know, and I'm not saying teams don't. I know you see teams bodying up with a keeper, but like there's a spotlight on this now. You can be physical with a goalkeeper while the ball is in the air. It can be done. So every team, like corners are hard to score on. The statistics show that like you rarely score off of these things. So this should be now what everyone is doing. Put a lot of bodies around the keeper, put the ball in the six yard box and nudge or more than nudge the keeper while he's in the air. Because like right now, Vicario is being exposed in this way. But something tells me that a lot of keepers would probably have this same kind of problem. So, you know, maybe keepers know now, okay, well, I can, I, I got to kill guys to get to the ball and I'm going to dare the referee to call a penalty there. A hundred percent. But like, yeah, or, or even create a system where uh, Tottenham have a player drop in in front of Vicario, create a cordon sanitaire, create a some kind of a, a safety zone. Yeah, that, that worries me too, though, because then you can have an Everton player who pushes Van de Ven into Vicario, and they and now it's not now it'll never get called because it's Van de Ven hitting Vicario. So well, he's got hard. No, he's got a hard. He has then. absolutely a hundred percent. But I think, but Tottenham should do this too. Every team should do this on corners. This should be the only way you take corners. Throw, put two guys around a keeper and. Put the ball inside the six yard box and see what happens. Whip, um, whip, whip keep it doing in. it. Yeah. Whip it in. Um, so, another note, sort of off of this, more so pertaining to the second goal. Um, so, I talked on the last podcast about Tottenham and Ange maybe bending a little bit from his system because he brought on against Brentford, nursing that one goal lead, brought on Dragazen. They had three center backs, pretty much went with a back five to end that game and see it out. And they did, they succeeded. And I said, I think it's, I think that's probably wise to show a little bit of tactical flexibility, move off of your wide open attack minded system in a one goal game uh, in stoppage time. So that goal goes in JJ, the Romero off his head breath. I mean, it's going in the net it would have been an own goal. Brathwaite yeah. taps it in to finish it off. Uh, so that happens. I get a, a tweet right after that. And I don't want to, I'm not going to rip anyone from this guy, Kyle Logue, who he's a good listener to the pod. Uh, Spurs fan, I think. So like, I'm right. not mad at him, but people can disagree on stuff. I saw this. I but saw he tweets this. He tweets right away, at a gunling, still like the back five sub? Come on, man. That's I mean, not. Come that's on. Not. Like, deal with a free kick. All right? Defend an effing free kick. That's not. I mean, Christian Romero heads a ball backwards into his own goal on a free kick, and your takeaway is shouldn't have brought on an extra defender. What? But what is like? I don't know. It just feels to me like one has nothing to do with the other. Like, JJ, if if you and I went to Disney World together, but you didn't want to go, you complained it's going to be too crowded, the lines are too long, it's too hot. Then we get there, I'm walking off the plane, I take an awkward step in the jetway, I sprain my ankle. You tell me, told you we shouldn't have gone to Disney World. Right. Disney World's not what ruined. Disney's not what ruined the trip. Was the back five the problem here? No. No. Defend a damn free kick. Yeah, Romero 100%. has one fall off the off his head and go backwards into his own goal. Like, stop. I'm wow. fine. I've said I'm fine with Ange Ball. I like it. I love it. It's fun to watch. I've made peace with the fact that Spurs are going to concede a lot of chances. I get it. And they do it because they think they can get more going back the other way. But, like, I'm not going to move off this. They brought on Dragazan in the 89th minute. So you had essentially 90 minutes of playing Ange Ball to get a third goal and give you some space. You didn't. So I'm okay at that point. Bearing down, seeing out the game defensively in stoppage time. You want to keep playing Ange Ball with a one-goal lead 
on the road in stoppage time. You want fullbacks in central forward positions with tired center halves behind them. I mean, let's be reasonable. Like, still like the back five sub. Come on. Like, wow, that's, not what, wow. that's not what cost them. That that's not what cost them. No, it isn't. And it, boy, did it irritate you. It did. Because I, I was from... already pissed at the game. And, like, here's the other thing, too, is, like, I get that. So, like, I get that tweet. And this, now I'm really, my insecurities, I'm just, I'm laying them all out on the table for all of you to see. Because, like, on the last pod, what were the two things that I talked about with Tottenham? I talked about kind of liking this idea that Ange at the end in stoppage time is going to try to see the game out if it's tight. I, I think I think that's a wise move. I think that's smart. And the other thing that I talked about, JJ, was what? Richarlison has proven to be worth the money. So what's the tweet I get after this game? People <laughs> only want to fight with me. Oh, so you like, still like your back five? Okay, fine. Say that. Didn't get any Richarlison tweets. Guy scored two goals. Nine goals in his last eight games. Seventh most goals in the Premier League right now. Didn't see anybody saying, hey, good call. Richarlison does look like he's worth the money. Two, no, two, People just want to fight, JJ. That's two, all. Oh, of course. And and again, uh, Twitter X is set up for that. It's it's absolutely set up for that. Um, two really good finishes. Really, really good finishes. Yeah. And do you see? Do you see? You, you're talking about you being pissed. See how pissed Richarlison was at the end of the game. So annoyed that he didn't come away with the, you know, with the, with the win. Because the script was written. Like this was, it was like a crowning moment for him. How how did you like his non-celebration celebrations? Fine with it. Yeah. Again, not going to police any of these. So guys, celebrate how you want to celebrate. Everton, again, we talked about when we, after listening to the Lampard interview. um, Yeah. That like, I know Everton fans in the moment, I think we're mad that Richarlison left. He loves that club. And and like Lampard said, we've all come to find out because of Everton's PSR issues. It wasn't like Richarlison was like, get me out of here. I need to, it's, you know, I got to go F this. Club. It was not like that. Everton needed him to leave. He was one of the only guys who they could get a commensurate amount of money for to help them climb out of the PSR situation that, by the way, was so bad that even that couldn't climb them out, couldn't get them out of it. So like he had to go. So I think Richarlison, he still probably has great affection for that club. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I respected it. I thought it was, because those were great goals for him, and big, important goals. Yeah. And, you know, he he started, the first one was a great goal. He started to celebrate and he stopped. Yeah. The announcer, who was it? Was it John Champion on the yeah. call? Who's like, and Richarlison score and remembers where he is and stops. <laughs> like The call of it was funny too. I'm fine. He was I'm great. Fine. I'm fine with players just letting it go. Don't, don't, don't police yourself. On the celebrations. I don't care. Just yeah. let it go. But he's been uh, huge. I mean, they lost Son to the Asian Cup, which could have and is a huge blow. And you talk about with Liverpool needing guys to step up. Um, and like, I mean, this guy has just been, he's been a revelation for them since Son has been out. It's its really, it's been fun to watch. hes He's killing it right now. So there you go. Um, let's see, JJ Luton and Newcastle, another, ins- I mean, this is ridiculous. Now we got to start moving through these quicker. I think Luton and Newcastle four, four insane. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember JJ, we played a game with Scott McTominay a couple months back called, is he good now? I'm wondering if, if we're getting closer to wanting to do that with Luton and just change it to, are they good now? I, I think we can say that they are, they are much improved. I was reading somewhere. I can't remember where, how they're passing their completed passes number has just increased. Like it was the start of the season when they were struggling or when, you know, they were trying to get into a rhythm. It was like 150 was as high as they get. Now they're passing in the 300s. They've got, I think they've got a really good counterattack. Uh, Adebayo, uh, Morris, uh, Chidozi Ogbene. Yeah. Um, Ross Barkley. 
Ross Barkley. Even holy like, crap. Oh, he's oh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, he's been great. He's been great. He's the star man there. Um, uh, Osho popping up with a goal, too. I th- this was, by the way, this is so much fun. So I was feeding Roisin, and I had, I had her in the high chair. And so she's facing me and I've got the TV. So it's, it's perfect. Like now she's slightly concerned as to what's going on behind me. Cause you can hear the shouting, but like she's eating away. She's a great eater. Thank God. And I, I can just watch the game. And I, I enjoyed this tremendously. It was great. I will say, I will say that how, and, and maybe he's limited by options. How Eddie, Howe will have Dan Byrne at left back against Shidozi Ogbene, the fastest player in the Premier League, and think that's going to be okay. It's unbelievable. Um, it had me think every time I saw Dan Byrne chasing Ogbene, he did once in the first half and then once for the, for the penalty. Um, I, it had me thinking this. Every time I saw Dan Byrne out against Ogbene. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? Oh, centre-backs playing at, uh, I mean, playing in a full-back position yeah. No, no. You don't see many six foot seven fullbacks. <laughs> There's good know. reason. I don't oh, know. he got absolutely murdered for the penalty. Benny doesn't have to have that many tricks just to glide past him, and then he's 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 scrambling. I thought it was the correct decision. I know the contact happens at, before he goes into the box, but then there's further contact when he is in the box. Um and how about Morris showing such composure? Had to oh. take the pen, had to take the penalty twice, and then hit it in the same spot. Really, really great. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I genuinely thought. Um, I think Luton are better, and also their manager um, became something of a TikTok sensation. So Luton put something out on social, not not this game, but the game before it, and uh, and and um, and whatever it was about the uh, the interaction or Rob Edwards, whatever he was saying. You know, I mean, he is a good-looking man, but he, he went... Very. Vo- yeah, he's very good-looking, isn't he? That's a hot guy. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I'm just looking at pictures now. <laughs> going through pictures. Oh, he got it. There's a picture from the Shropshire star. Rob Edwards adding to his CV as he plots route to the top. Very, very handsome man. Sure. Yeah. Uh, now I feel bad, um, but he was, um, yeah, he was he was all over TikTok. Apparently, some some American TikTokers got a hold of him, and they were like, they would die for this man. Which is worth mentioning amongst all this. Now, the question for me is, uh, I can be attracted to Rob Edwards, sure. I can be attracted to the 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 style of play. I can love that Ogbené, an Irishman, is doing so well for Luton. How do I get to a place where I can want them to do well and not think of their fans? That's the question. Do oh. we have any Luton fans? We should do a Luton in the club with a Luton podcast so I can meet a Luton fan that I like and get past the fact that I think they're all kind of Hillsborough chanting Tommy Robinson supporters. Okay. Interesting. Well, didn't know we were going to take that turn there. Dark. Um, one other note on them, the uh, the Swiss Ramble, JJ posted about Luton Town. Only one club has been promoted with a smaller squad cost than Luton's 12 million pounds oh. in the last eight years. Oh. You want to get You won't get it. Oh. In the last 12 years? Yeah. Smaller? Smaller, smaller. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, good Lord. I shouldn't say uh, it. It's not Bournemouth. Definitely. No. No, because no. they had that money, the Russian money. 
Um, Cardiff. It's, no. Go on. Huddersfield Town. That's obvious. They were 11 million in 2016 17, but Swiss Ramble notes that also would have been higher if adjusted for inflation. So, yeah. Um, before I'm willing to say that they are good now, I do want to point out the pr- if you're a stats guy, I would say the stats are not really too kind to them. Third worst XG, second worst XG differential, uh, second worst shot on target percentage, fourth worst in shot creating actions per 90. Uh, so I don't know if this is just like maybe they've just found it in the last month and everything before that was kind of crap. Um, but I mean, eight goals in the last two games doing something right, at least in attack. They're conceding. I mean, in this one, at least conceding four is not great. Giving a four two lead away in the second half. Not great. One quick Newcastle note only because I, I try to do this in fairness. Um because we were pretty harsh on Kieran Trippier. He had a rough go of it for a while there. This game, however, I know that there was one moment defensively where he probably was up too high and led to oh, one way of too goals. high. Yeah. yeah. But, God almighty. But I thought his assist on the first goal was amazing. What a pass to see. I mean, the vision to like see that develop um, and thread a needle into space the way that he did. I just thought it was a great ball. And then he scored a huge goal as well to, to begin Newcastle's comeback. So um, thought I'd throw that in there. Let's see. Uh, quickly, J.J. Manchester United, promising, promising showing in their 3-0 win over West Ham. Uh, United's attack maybe starting to look a little bit more threatening here. Garnacho scoring a couple. He's looked good. Statman Dave posting uh, You'd love at, him. Age, just at age him. 21. Uh, turned 21 yesterday. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland becomes the youngest player ever to score in four consecutive Premier League games for Manchester United. Hmm. Um, what was your tw- 21st birth? Is that a big deal in... Oh, huge! In huge! Okay. The, uh, people What's the drinking age? I didn't have one. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't have? You went to I didn't have age, one. Didn't age twenty to twenty-two. Uh, I didn't. I twenty-first birthdays are like huge. I had a thirtieth birthday. I had a great fortieth. That was fun. Um, didn't didn't do anything for my twenty-first. Uh, uh, but it is a traditional celebration. Did you see that thing on? You're not on Instagram. Everybody posting pictures. Show us your. We show us what you were. What you, were, you looked like at twenty-one or. So everyone's posting pictures of themselves at 21. I, I couldn't find a picture of me at 21. And and it seemed as if a friend, really? of, mine, friend of mine pointed out to me, um, oh, that's just people who peaked in their 20s wanting to show you how good they looked. It's got nothing to do yeah, with that. It could be. could be a little bit of that. could be. Maybe. I'll send you mine. My 21st birthday, I was, oof, it's a rough one. Um, <laughs> You're going to show yeah, me a picture of you drunk. I mean, it would be if I send you one for my 21st birthday. Yeah, that's probably what the picture will be. Your face caked and puke. No, no, I didn't throw up. Didn't throw up. But I, yeah. anyway, what are we talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, United. Um, I United. didn't watch this and it's probably good for me because. Um, um, not I, they... uh, yeah, I've talked too much about United and I need a break from them. Well, you yeah. talk too much about them negatively. Oh, this would have been an, it's not this, my fault. This would have been an opportunity. Well, <laughs> I talked positive. I just talked positive ten minutes ago about them, about their win over Wolves. Did you? Oh, you said. Yeah, was, I said what we, a brilliant we, finish by Kobe Mano. It was class. What a way to win a game. What do you want from me? Um, yeah, this one. I mean, their attack looked. It looked pretty good. It looked pretty good in this. Uh, Bruno Fernandez. He can still like. I know we have moments where sometimes he he might go missing more than United fans want from the best player, but boy, he can still pick a pass. Like he, he just strikes the ball so well. Um, and he did on a few occasions, this one, like I said, Hoyland scoring again, it was, it was a good game for them. Uh, Harry Maguire, that was probably the most interesting decision. Um, he was put back in the starting 11 over Rafael Varane, a little bit of controversy to that. And I don't know that the decision came off well. Uh, 
so I mean, McGuire had kind of like an errant back pass that mm. could have gone. I mean, Kudus was in pretty much alone, bit of a tough angle, but he just was a terrible finish at the end. Um, and then again later, uh, West Ham's other best chance was McGuire kind of caught out, long ball played right over him. He was he just couldn't get there, and Jared Bowen was in on goal. And then Diogo Dallo with a, the defensive play of the game. I mean, he came flying back to make up the ground for Maguire and deflect that shot away from Jared Bone. It was a one of the, I mean, really one of the, not just defensive plays of the game, one of the plays of the game. Um, and Dallow, he, he was brilliant. The decision to go with Maguire, though, 10 different center back partnerships to start games for United this season. This one was Maguire and Lissandro Martinez. That is an awful lot of combinations for, for a, for a partnership that you'd like to have as much consistency there as possible, yeah. ten different ones, and we're in early February. No good. Oof, no, that's not that's not what you want. Also, not what you want, JJ Calvin Phillips. This start well, that he's gotten at West Ham. I mean, obviously the the goal that he conceded in his first game, awful. awful. And then in in this one, not as bad. I think the pass that was played to him, it kind of put him in a precarious, a little bit of a precarious position to begin with, but he gives it away immediately. And off United go the other way. Um, this is this has not been a good start for a guy who's really a trying to get his career back on track, and b trying to get on the England team for the Euros. Uh, not not going well so far. No, and also a manager in David Moyes that really really wants you at the club. <laughs> like seriously, there was no director of football made that happen. Moyes really looked for it, and for him not to start. I mean, he started terribly. Um, it's funny. There's a lot of Leeds fans. If you talk to them, they're kind of. They were like when he went to City. Nah, he's not that good. Huh. Like he he fits for what we do, and he's been great for us. But he's he's not that good. Interesting. Yeah, that they don't see him as technically good enough on the ball. And the, and and I I know um, Leeds supporters who never thought he was going to get a game for City, and were oh, proven right. They were right. They were right. But a good win for United, 3-0. Uh, finally, don't have very much on this, but it is worth pointing out that America's new team, Nottingham Forest, Matt Turner relegated to the bench. Um, so right away, I mean, bang. We I guess you saw that coming. But they but, did uh, sign a goal. They signed a goalkeeper yeah, after Matt, after we talked. Um, Matt Sells, uh, yes. and he walked right on into there. <laughs> oh, welcome yep. to the club. This is yours now. Uh, Matt Turner sent to the bench. Matt Sells now starting for Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't know where this goes for Turner. I don't know if this is my guess is you won't see him starting again the rest of the season. I don't know what that means for his future, whether it's back club in or, MLS. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know, but I, I know it's not, I know it ain't good. Um, so we'll see. And Gio Reyna, who did not start, which I think could also be a trend, but he did come on uh, as a sub. Saw a decent amount of the ball in this one. Can't really remember anything notable from him. His passing was fine. I don't know that there was anything so incisive, any you know scoring chance necessarily that he created. But um, but he has made his Premier League debut, and it was it was cool to see. And and I sought it out. Like the second I saw he came on, like they, I can't. They've now become appointment viewing. When I saw the thing on Twitter that Reyna was being subbed on, I I went right to Peacock and put it on right away because I wanted to see what he did. And I'll probably continue to do that. I'm rooting for the guy. So, um, so yeah, there you go, JJ. We'll go ahead. Lot there, lot there to Jeez. digest. Yeah, I, I mean know. that's a podcast in and of itself. Probably and probably one that's too long. 
to be honest. And that's only the first half. That's what you get with caught offside. Well, we, we can we I, th- I think we can trim some of the second half, much how we would trim with Manscaped. Oh, oh, so you're oh, you're going to leave me right in. That is yeah, cool. that's something, JJ, because, you know, Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. Uh, his prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, snag 20% off, and free shipping with code OFFSIDE. Um, JJ, red may be the official color of Valentine's Day, but you know where you don't want to see red? In the shower, when blood <laughs> is everywhere because you've decided to use scissors for a pre-Valentine's evening cleanup session. And now the session is ruined, and, and so is the entire evening as well. So let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The electric trimmer features skin-safe technology, thank God, guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. Oh, and it's waterproof as well. So very easy. Do it in the shower. So important. Makes makes cleanup so easy. Uh, The package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose hair trimmer, Manscaped's liquid formulations, and two free goodies, the Shed Travel Bag and Boxers. Boxers 2.0 because comfort is king. Um, And for all the... For everyone with beards out there, Manscaped also brings you the Beard Hedger Pro Kit designed mm. to shape your scruff effortlessly. It sculpts cheek lines, maintains beard styles, uh, gives you that suave look for your romantic moments. It's got how many settings? Was it like 20 different settings? Like, like the one I use. The one I use now is like one, two, or three. This has yeah. like, I mean, forget about that. That's so old fashioned. This has got everything. It's so important. It, yeah. It's just so important because, you know, Valentine's Day. Actually, Valentine's Day, when you're with someone, it's a bit different because, you know, they know your foibles. They know your the parts of your beard that are poorly poorly groomed and the parts of your ball sack that aren't in great shape. They know this stuff. But it's it's important uh, if you're trying to make an impression on a, a potential new love yeah. that, you know, you show up to that Valentine's Day date in good order. It is important. Very important. So get on this. Get 20% off and free shipping with code offside at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code. Wait a minute. Is it offside or caught offside? Now I've forgotten. Oh, for God's sake, you had one job. Because your grooming upgrade awaits, ready to charm your Valentine's dates. JJ, we'll go ahead. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Some messy stuff, some Mbappe stuff. More caught offside still to come. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now. JJ, I think the promo code is caught offside. I don't know what happened to me there. I don't know. You had... Sometimes that happens where you just, I don't know, your brain, you just lose one, you lose something. Maybe I hit my head and like that spot is where I kept no, my it's, it's sometimes manscaped I, read information. Sometimes you be aware, of, you become aware that you're speaking <laughs> and then you're like, are, are the things I'm saying making sense? Yeah. 
Yeah. This is just a collection of random words. I don't even know. Uh, real quick, before we we close out here, I do want to mention, because I mentioned my excitement for it a couple of weeks ago. I've, I've seen all three episodes so far of Masters of the Air. It's, oh. uh, I, you know I'm, I'm nervous about strongly recommending things because it hurts me when people don't feel the way that I feel. Um, uh, Dunkirk was a classic example. That, of that, that was the moment that changed me. Um, people telling but, us it wasn't good. I don't want to. I don't want to tell you guys out there what you should or shouldn't watch. That's not my job. All I can do is tell you how I feel. I think it's. I'm blown away by it. I think it's spectacular. Wow. I think I, it, it makes so me excited. feel. I feel everything watching it. Feel all every feeling. There's incredible drama, action, sadness some comedy light comedy um it's ever it's it's an unbelievable show and it's it's only three in so far they release them the first two were released right away and then it's uh every friday um and it's i think it's just spectacular the third episode i just watched was just like holy cow what a, wow. what a show so you'll love it i know you i know, I know i'm like so it. into that stuff i just get hooked yeah. I haven't started my Band of Brothers rewatch either yet because I'm kind of I, I am engrossed in top. Watch Boy. watch this for just. There's only three out there so far, so you can do it relatively quickly. But okay. I think it. I'm just like blown away by it. Um, let's see. I'll tell you who was not blown away by anything. The, the people of Hong Kong, as they watched Inter Miami, or what was left of them, um, play against the Hong Kong 11, both Leo Messi and Luis Suarez unavailable for inter Miami in their exhibition against How Hong could Kong this have happened um, on uh, as inter Miami continued this Asian tour, which is now ended uh, fans JJ chanted for a refund d- during the game. They were booing. Uh, here's some of the audio of, of what it sounded like. This is, I'm sure when inter Miami and MLS, whenever this was drawn up, they probably didn't envision hearing this at the ends of their games. I mean, that is bad. It was bad to the point the Hong Kong government voiced its disappointment. You don't want to be hearing from them? No, no. Um, So the Hong Kong government was mad at um, Tatler. I, I don't think anyone was necessarily mad well, I don't know. People, I guess we're mad at Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, I don't know that they're doing anything, other than the fact that they're on this tour, which maybe was ill-advised. They're not, like, Messi and Suarez not playing. They're not doing anything wrong here. Messi has... Ah, come on, Andrew. They're promising well, a bit. They're promising something that 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 they know. People aren't there to see, oh, Inter-Miami, well, who, the who's famous making, Inter-Miami. But who's making the... Pro- if Messi... Look, Messi is the most valuable property that this league has ever had, and it's not close. If he's feeling something in his adductor, he can't play. It's an exhibition. He cannot Don't play. Same with Suarez and his Don't go on tour team. like this. You're well, taking. You're not going on tour as a football club. You're taking Messi on tour. Well, and you're pr- taking Suarez on tour. That is yes. the point of this. So don't do it if you can't guarantee that, that they can that they'll play. That's, which you which you cannot guarantee. Which you can't do. So don't do. But it's all about money, making a big splash, making promoting into Miami, selling shirts, doing all this stuff. Well, I here mean, here's here's the biggest problem. Is I think this most portended things to come as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now that I agree with. That is true. But here's the here's the issue though, is I think most people do understand, especially in an exhibition. I think most people do understand that nothing is guaranteed that these guys, it's like when you go into a sporting event, it's not like if I'm going to see the Rolling Stones and like Mick Suarez and Messi, if you tell me, Oh, Mick Jagger's not performing tonight. 
And then Suarez, oh, Keith Keith Richards is also not performing tonight. But instead, it's going to be like Timmy and Dylan from my neighbor's garage band. Like, that's what I mean. People in Hong Kong are not there to see Robert Taylor. They're just not like this is this is crazy. So but most people, I think, do understand when you're going to a sporting event, there's no guarantee of who you're going to see because injuries are such a part of sports. The problem is is why I say I don't know that Miami did anything wrong. Tatler, Hong Kong, that's the group, uh, the organizing committee that that put this on this game. They mm-hmm. tweeted this on January 11th. The organi- um the organizer Tatler Asia wishes to reassure ticket holders and football fans in Hong Kong that all in all caps all Inter Miami marquee stars including Argentina's World Cup winning captain Lionel Messi will be involved in wow. playing in the Tatler X Fest Hong Kong fixture against the representative Hong Kong team in Hong Kong on February 4th, 2024. That's that was on January 11th. You can't do that. You can't do that because a lot can happen in three weeks, as was the case here. So, like, that's why I say I don't necessarily know that Inter Miami did anything wrong. If that same, if everything was the same and that tweet was never put out there, then I don't know if people are as upset. Now, it didn't help that Tata Martino on Friday gave a press conference where he said Messi was likely to play. If he was just quiet, if he said he was questionable, whatever, we don't know, we're dealing with this issue, but there were things pushing the people of Hong Kong to believe that they were going to see this guy. So I also have no problem with the people of Hong Kong reacting the way that they did. Um, it's people just love Hong Kong. Andrew is with you. I'm okay with your reaction um, because even though sports is fickle and, and injuries are so ingrained in it, uh, you were kind of led to believe a certain thing. So um, I do get, I do get that frustration. This has not gone well. This I don't know. Again, I don't know how they drew this up, what they were envisioning, but you know, they lose six nil to Al Nasser. I mean, even Al Nasser that is in 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 the middle of the season, you know, and 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 a good team, and like Messi's not playing. It's exhibition, like it's, but it's not a good look. It's just a bad look when when a a weird like Saudi Arabia MLS rivalry is sprouted. Like you don't need stuff like this. Um, I don't know. It's um, yeah. it's a dangerous game that MLS is playing here when you you know they know this guy is bigger than the league, but they're leaning into that. And it's it's I, tough. I how many weeks off had he before he went playing in the World Cup qualifier in Brazil? And he's getting like he it was his I mean, it wasn't me that's saying it's observers who watch him all the time are saying this is his worst performance for Argentina in a long time, getting massaged on the sideline in Rio not looking comfortable. Then there's more injuries here like this. I don't, I worry about this now. Yeah, I'm I'm a little, again, I think when he's on the field, I think it's going to be brilliant and I think he'll be awesome, but there's going to be a challenge to keeping him on the field. And if your backup plan is Suarez, I mean, he might be even more of a challenge to keep on the field. A little worried, a little worried about this. And this is not, I don't know if you're trying to keep some normalcy, like going on tour, like a week before, two weeks before your season starts in Asia, taking this guy who's got an adductor muscle on, on plane but, rides all across the, the globe. Like, I don't know, man, this, I feel like this again, I'm not, I hope it goes great. I want, I so badly want to see this be awesome. Um, but I do feel like we're watching the first chapter of like the, here's where it all went wrong story. This was like this, <laughs> This is I kind of leading so. us down a road. This is, that, 
the, the worked- thirty for thirty. This is going to be this is going to be the second part. The first part's the great first season. Also, just Luis Suarez. Like, look at the things Suarez said at Gremio about how much painkillers it takes to get on the field. Yeah, are you going to get on a plane? You're going to go to Hong Kong in your preseason. Yeah. Oh, the the greed is the greed is real, and it's hampering the football. Um, and then finally, just wanted to close on this. I know you. I think you lost interest months ago. Um, oh, is this Mbappe? Yeah, yeah, Mbappe. Watch, but I still maintain that he's one of the like the three biggest ticket items on the globe. And and when there's news about him, I will report it because I am a newsman at my core. Um, over the weekend, JJ, it was reported that he was going to go to Real Madrid, and the reports kind of made it sound like it was done. Um, he'd be foregoing bonuses somewhere around 100 million euros. Well, this morning we got this from Fabrizio Romano. He tweeted, Real Madrid, keep advancing on Kylian Mbappe deal with confidence, but nothing has been signed yet. Formal decision on player side expected soon. Nasser Al-Khalafi and PSG have not received any formal communication yet. It's a crucial step, part of the pact with Kylian. Um, more on Kylian Mbappe. He says, Real Madrid total confidence has also been shared in the dressing room. If he decided to sign for Real Madrid, the salary would have to be significantly lower than in 2022. PSG have already prepared their backup plan in case Mbappe decides to leave. Uh, the interesting part there where Fabrizio Romano says the crucial that um, no communication with Calafi and the club yet, that's a crucial crucial step. It's actually like a, a pact that they have, that Mbappe would tell them face-to-face that he's leaving. So until that happens... Um, remains to be seen. He he has agreed to forego bonuses. He has agreed that he will tell them face to face. But until those things occur, it's still not done. I think, I mean, the arrow is so clearly pointed in one direction here. I'd be stunned if he's not on Real Madrid. Um, I guess stranger things have happened, but in my head, he's, he's kind of there. He's there. And I, you just wonder though, like he is definitely leaving in, in uh, you know, what's perceived to be an inferior league, but he's going to a league now where, like technically him joining Real Madrid could make them such an uber dominant force. So um, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I know sometimes you're critical of my stance that a lot of good players on a team doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but these are different. Like you're not okay. comparing Camavinga to Manny, uh, um, uh, Cruz guys like that. And then having Kylian Mbappe, you're not, it's not the same as having Neymar, Messi, <laughs> you know, Neymar and Messi uh, together on the same side and Mbappe. It's not the same. It's it, 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 is, it does feel different. And Bellingham, even as a character, seems markedly different from Neymar. So it doesn't mean it'll definitely work. It doesn't. Uh, there can be, you know, there can be uh, tensions. There can be um, kind of, you know, um, friction between star players. Sure, that can all happen. But I don't see it as the same thing. And I wonder now if he, he's, he is joining La Liga, which is a stronger league than Ligue 1, but I wonder if he's joining at a time when it's it's in its decline. It's not quite the league it used to be, at, you know, a few years ago. Um, I, maybe his signing boosts the league's reputation. I actually think it does. Definitely. It makes, yeah. I would say this is not being celebrated in Barcelona. As they are. No. Well, I mean, as, they, as I mean they, this is just as a, they can a, barely sign like a, another nail in the coffin for them. <laughs> you know? Jesus, like they, they, the Barcelona are shopping at the once upon a time store. You know, yeah. they have Lewandowski, who was he's not the Lewandowski he used to be. They're, that's the star player that they're signing, the marquee player they've signed in the last few years. And here's Real Madrid signing Bellingham and then getting Kylian Mbappe. Come on, this, this, yeah, I don't know. I hope it doesn't turn into a one club league. 
our, our hope might be with Girona <laughs> to I, prevent that from happening. I, I mean, there's every chance I mean, that's exactly the way it's going. Big draw. Of the, Real Madrid not winning over the weekend, though. Huge point for um, Atletico Madrid. Marcus Llorente scoring in stoppage time. 1-1 uh, was the final there. So Real Madrid still top of the table by just two points, though. So Girona still within within touching distance. But yeah, if you get Mbappe with Vinicius and Rodrigo and like, I mean, Bellingham, what the, what? Yeah. This is. But then again, then then the same thing happens again. Well, hey, you're at a club. You're expected to win La Liga. Until he does it in the Champions League, we're back again at the same kind of dichotomy. Like go and win in the Champions League. That's where the pressure would be. How could they not? How could they not? Oof. Could be, I mean, it could be some fun Real Madrid, Manchester City matchups in our future. I hope everyone gets used to that because it feels like we're going to be talking about that for many years to come. Um, but like JJ says, you never know. You never know. You can't you just d- put it- a bunch of superstars on a team and think they're going to win. And that has that is proven true at times. But I will continue to put my money on those teams, <laughs> and I'll be right more often than I'm wrong. Uh, JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. This was a bear of a podcast. Oh, it was a beast. It was a beast. What about the Garys? Think of the Garys. It's all over for the Garys. You can think about that on your long, soulful walk. You can think about Liverpool and you can think about all the Garys out there and how that G-A-R-Y are, are four letters that we're just never going to see next to each other again. Sad. That's sad. Uh, maybe you'll live tweet the walk. We want to know where you are, what you're yeah, feeling. Yeah, do you know what? I could do that. I'll do a live tweet tonight when I go on the walk. Yeah, just like periodic updates of how you're feeling at different spots as you've postponed oh, your that's feelings. That's a great idea. All right, I'm going to live tweet the walk then tonight. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Uh, I enjoyed this and I look forward to that. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.